Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. You've been fighting a cold. For like a week now. Sick of it. (laughs) Boo. Yep, but, uh, which is why we haven't probably watched more Doctor Who this weekend. I wanted to yesterday, but I was not feeling up to watching anything, really. No, you were very tired, Mm -hmm. and you went to bed very early. Yeah, I did. It helped a little bit, because today I felt better enough to watch not one, but two episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, so not only did we finish off the Abominable Snowmen, Mm -hmm. uh, episodes five and six today in this year's podcast, but, and this is only relevant to you and I, you and me, actually, um, we have now finished off the first shelf of our DVD collection. Oh my God, we're we're a shelf down. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, as I look over there, uh, uh, so it was like three and a third more, I think, basically, of, mm-hmm. of classic Who to get through. Um, and and the the second shelf ends with Planet of the Spiders. So that's like, just to show you how much was in shelf one, that's like four and a half seasons worth. And then the rest of the shelf is like at the end of season 11. So the seasons get shorter, of course, in the John Pertwee era. They do. I knew that. Yeah. So, so there. It's a milestone. Yay, milestones. Yeah. That's exciting. That's neat. Yeah. So what you, what you think of the final two uh, episodes of this year's uh, story? You know, this is <coughs> That's the cough because he's finding it cold, you see. That's why I prefaced that at the beginning yeah. just in case you had to cough because <laughs> we don't edit it out because we're lazy. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I don't I don't think this story is going to go down in history as one of my favorites. Okay. Um, I, I didn't dislike it. There was, there was enough to like. I just... It really felt long in a way that... A lot of the other stories did not. Um, maybe it's the lack of incidental music uh, that you talked about before. I don't know. This is—is is this the first time that we've watched two episodes of the Abominable Snowman in a row? We did all the other ones separately, right? Correct. Yeah, and it—it just—it felt like it was kind of a lot of time. Um, <laughs> I was—I was happy to see that um, that Tommy made it all the way to the end. Yep. I liked him. Um, I was happy to see that uh, that Padma Sambhava was, in fact, actually the doctor's friend. And, you know, much as he tried to fight off the great intelligence, he didn't actually succeed at all. The only thing he succeeded in doing is showing us that he was a puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that was, that was something. Um, I was interested to see the bit about Victoria being hypnotized to be afraid. Because... As I think I've said before, received fan wisdom has has sort of told me that Victoria is a real scaredy cat, and just I have not seen that borne out on screen mm-hmm. up until now. And I've talked about watching closely to see how how that goes. I will be interested to see if she is any more scaredy cat after this, or if that's just received fan wisdom being being received fan wisdom. Right. Um, because <clears throat> if she if she right. is more um, more timid and afraid going forward. My headcanon is totally that uh, what the great intelligence did to her uh, <laughs> struck more deeply and the doctor was not actually able to counteract it. It just uh, sort of stuck there like a splinter in her mind. So I'm, that's that's just a thing that had me thinking uh, throughout both of these episodes a little bit. So you probably uh, watch stories that you've seen before, like Enemy of the World and The Web of Fear, which are coming up at some point here mm-hmm. um, a little more closely perhaps 
mm-hmm. with this head cannon in mind. Yeah, this this possible it's prospective head cannon. It's it's not official yet. Right. It, it's not as official as head cannon even gets yet. So that's that's a that's pretty unofficial. I suppose so. I think. Um, uh, well, I think is it this episode or the next one. I can't even remember now. The the changeover happens over the course of a few with different script editor and different story. I can't remember if this is Innis Lloyd's last as producer or if it's the Ice Warriors. Don't at me. I'll look at I'll look it up when I'm done, or we'll watch episode one of the next story and and we'll know for sure. Um, but maybe that like just the approach. You know, when new a new production team comes in, that might mm-hmm. also alter how the character is going to be. But I don't, I don't know for sure, really, based on that. So we have both a Watsonian and Doyleist possibility for Victoria, if, if in fact she does sort of shift and right. uh, and become less headstrong, as, as Jamie calls her in this episode or in the, the episode five. Quite possibly, mm-hmm. I thought that Deborah Watling did a fantastic job in episode five when she's in a trance and everything and she's just sort of stuck in a trance until the doctor speaks and then she just says you know doctor there's great danger here take me away take me away Mm -hmm. take me away and she keeps repeating that slightly differently each time like a a lesser actor would have just sort of like done it in a trance but she's in a trance until uh he Mm -hmm. she hears the doctor's voice and then she's like full-on terrified and then she's back to the trance i thought that was really effective and it it would even happen like in the background a couple Mm -hmm. times you know the doctor would speak and she would still sort of speak in the background i thought it was was quite effective actually yeah yeah that was good and i it was it was kind of neat how it was revealed too like we learned it at the same time that the doctor Mm -hmm. and, and jamie learned it because you know at first she's she's saying she's scared she wants to be taken away totally logical but then when she says exactly the same thing over again um it, you're kind of like what what's happening here and then she like continues to do it so yeah that was that's a that's a neat piece of work all around yeah i um i remember when i did uh reviewed this for my blog all those years ago i remember being quite taken with this story actually mm. yeah um i wasn't as much this time around i think you're probably right the lack of um, audio accompaniment mm-hmm. affects it when there are no pictures to yeah. to watch. So I, I can't necessarily dump on the story until hopefully one day we'll mm-hmm. see it. This was one of the stories, by the way, just about it. As a side note, when uh, Phil Morris found um, Enemy of the World and Web of Fear and that TV mm-hmm. station in Joss, Nigeria, I think... Those two, I could be wrong about this, but those two stories were part of a package with, I think, either the Wheel in Space or Fury from the Deep and the Abominable Snowmen that were sent to that same place. So, obviously, uh, the other one wasn't found, nor was Abominable Snowmen, but perhaps one day Abominable Snowmen will show up as well. Because that was, I think, sold as late as 1974. So... It could be, yes, as late as 1974. <laughs> so here's hoping that um, that'll be found again and we can watch it and sort of reevaluate a very, probably a very visual episode as opposed to an auditory one. Yeah, I would I would like to see what the great intelligence goo looks like as it's like coming out of the cave mm-hmm. and, you know, erupting like a volcano at the end. Um, the recon that we watched had some like some sort of movement added to it, but it was it was a little silly looking. You know, it's the best they could do, but mm-hmm. it was it certainly wasn't whatever 
audiences saw back in the 60s. No, they they basically sort of flared up the existing loose cannon are ones to sort of like do mock-ups, but they also uh, do a lot of recons for episodes that ever had telesnaps in the first place, whereas the ones that we watched were almost entirely telesnaps, and I think he yeah, just did some like pulsing of light and some things like that, which, you know, sometimes that's enough. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's fine to give an idea. I just it it would be cool to find out what it actually did look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else about this? Uh, I thought I thought we finally sort of really get a good look at Padma Sambhava mm-hmm. with the uh, the creepy old age makeup that he had on and the voice mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, it was. It actually, I, speaking of the voice, I did like how his voice was always very sort of ethereal and, and neat. Um, but it was different when it was the great intelligence speaking through him and when it was him just speaking uh, to the doctor. So that was a nice, especially since we can't really see it. You know, the, uh, the, the description that Fraser Hines nicely gives us at one point says that uh, Padma Samaba is clearly struggling against the, you know, the, the, the intelligence within and obviously we can't see that because all we get is a, a still shot mm-hmm. so that's that is something that would be nice to to be able to see more of a performance of yeah i'm so intrigued to see how they would have shot some of the scenes not only in this episode but in earlier episodes when it's you know um song sen talking to him but and you know, judging by the narration, we only hear the voice, yeah. and sometimes it's it's just the voice in an empty room. And I'm just curious, like, how would they have done that? They wouldn't have just stuck a camera in the middle of the room where they have like sort of had a tracking shot, sort of slowly moodily through. I sort of envisioned that in the um, in the recon of episode five, you sometimes saw a close up of Padma Sambhava, and then perhaps one from on the side or something like that. And I thought perhaps they might just sort of dissolve between the two for this is how I would have directed it back in 1967 uh, as if to sort of indicate the two sides of the personality that are currently fighting over this body I quite like the profile shot after the doctor meets him mm-hmm. and you know he sort of slumps down I think the doctor probably thinks that he's dead and then his eyes shoot open. And I just like how it was an extreme close-up from the side of his face. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite an effective shot. It really was. Because, too, like his, his eyes just open and staring. And I think, uh, I can't remember the exact wording that was used in the narration. But his eyes, you know, stared balefully or hatefully or something like mm-hmm. that after the doctor. And that was, whatever word was used, it was a perfect word to describe it. Because that, that shot just really encapsulated just, yeah evil mm-hmm. it was and they banished him forever and they destroyed the great intelligence mm-hmm. but they probably won't because he comes back and mm-hmm. well the great the great intelligence comes back it's funny how this time in, in Doctor Who history like you know the 10th planet was still being made and they were formulating plans for the moon base and when the moon base is being made they're formulating plans for the tomb of the cybermen and when this is being made they're saying let's try it again in the web of fear like even before it aired they didn't say oh that went down well they were already thinking let's make another one and so there's like this little like everything's a sequel essentially at some point during the course of the uh season four and five of the troton era that there's always sort of monsters being being brought back a lot of the time perhaps for monetary reasons we got the costumes we can use them again because mm-hmm. imagine the eddie weren't cheap no i yeah especially since you know they had a decent number of them and they were huge <laughs> the shot where where you see them all lying down 
because they've all gotten knocked over. I'm just like, it looks like a bunch of bare rugs. Yeah. Just like the like I would like to just you know wander around in my bare feet on a uh, <laughs> in a room like that. It looks cushy. It does they should have maybe marketed Yeti pillows or body pillows or something like that or um yeah i feel like that would be so much nicer than like all the dalek mania stuff i think mm. yeti mania would have been much more fuzzy and cozy cozy exactly mm. yeah anything else about this uh, story um i loved that jamie almost got hypnotized along with victoria that right. was so perfectly jamie mm-hmm. i also loved that jamie was very insistent that the doctor help victoria yeah. Um, that's that was th- th- kind of a, a nice encapsulation of their their threesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, Victoria's kind of out of out of the act, taken out of the action, and Jamie's like, "We need to help her." And the doctor's just like, "Oh, information stuff." And Jamie's like, "Ah, ah like like I almost want to picture him snapping his face and f- fingers in front of the doctor's face and just being like, "Hey, hey, hey, focus, dude, focus," <laughs> because that's the kind of relationship that Jamie and the doctor have. They're the, you know, the Jamie and, and the doctor are very comfortable with each other. So, uh, you know, sometimes you have a companion with the doctor where it's it's more of a you know mentor mentee relationship or the doctor is, is is clearly the one who has the upper hand because he's so much smarter whereas these guys are just they're just a couple of pals mm-hmm. and so Jamie lectures plenty yeah he just becomes a basic lad after a while who sort you know you kind of forget sometimes that he's from like the 18th century yeah. mm-hmm. uh and he's just he's just sort of acclimatized to his trap, which I suppose all companions mm-hmm. do at some point. So it's just it's it's kind of neat. Yeah, I like I like seeing them pal pal around together. They're a good deal. Yep, they yep, they are. Mm-hmm. Is that it then, Paul Snowman? Um, yeah, I mean it, it ended up with them palling around and the doctor teasing Jamie about it. Oh, there I guess there is a little nip in the air, and yeah. Jamie's like, "My knees are blue." Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, it was good, and you know they wander off to the TARDIS, and the doctor. I love the last line too. Like you know maybe we'll go somewhere warmer, and the doctor's like, well, "You never know." Uh-huh. Like that's that's perfect. Like if Doctor Who had ended right there, that would be a lovely kind of ending. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't, but. But yes, it it does indeed continue on. Obviously, they knew what was coming. I don't think they had the uh, next time on, on this one. But the next story is, which mostly exists. I'm pr- I'm happy to say, uh, apart from episodes two and three, which are animated, the Ice Warriors. That's the joke. You see. Hope we go somewhere warmer next time. Oh. And then we'll we'll see that they they don't. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I ha- I have not seen the Ice Warriors, so this is exciting. You haven't seen them all? Uh, none? No? I'm, I have seen Ice Warriors oh, in yes. other stories, but I've never seen the Ice Warriors. I have not seen this story, I don't think. Well, no, I don't think you have because uh, I... Th- um Maybe we should talk about it after the last <laughs> when we actually talk about the Ice Warriors. But it was going to. I think they were planning on using it in the Doctor Who on the Twitch marathon because mm. the promo for the Drought Years was rife with clips, yes. and then they never showed it. Perhaps because the animation was not clear. That that is my best guess as to what happened. But mm-hmm. uh, I bought the VHS of the Ice Warriors back in 1999. It was like the last VH. I didn't buy that many. VHS of Doctor Who episodes because I already had them all on tape from TV but this is the only way I was going to get this one and they had like a little 15 minute recon of episodes 2 and 3 um, so it, the Ice Warriors sort of sits until of course um, Enemy and Web as sort of the last classic Who story that I that mm-hmm. I saw for some time so so I'm not that familiar with it so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it with you as well alright well no promises for when that's going to happen because I'm still not totally healthy, and we're lazy. That's true. But I'm happy that the pictures are moving again. Mm-hmm. 
I will admit that five episodes of No Pictures Moving starts to wane. And now we're getting teased with existing episodes. And so whenever we have to sort of dump back into the recons again, I sort of go, oh, okay, we can, we, can, we can do this. We can power through this. Like I said, mostly I've not had any trouble with the recons. I just feel like the story itself was not, um, I just wasn't in love with it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it's a lot of dudes. This is you know this is it's a it's a monastery. It's, yeah. it's a lot of dudes being duty. Um, so I'm I, I don't know what's ha- going to happen in the Ice Warriors, but I hope they have some ladies. I can confirm that there is at least one <laughs> human female character. Hooray! Yippee! There you go. So you got that looked forward to in serial. Oh oh, ooh, the Ice Warriors. <laughs> nice, very nice. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Is that it then? I think that's it then. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.